Hello everyone out there and welcome back to my podcast. My name is Fernando, people call me Fernie, and I'm a professional psychic medium and spiritual teacher and also a fellow human person. So I want to welcome you back to my podcast. I know last time we um, we were on, I actually talked to you guys about potentially this podcast being about the new year and what you can do to improve your ability to manifest or to create some of your New Year's resolutions. And I'm sure a bunch of you have begun working on some of those resolutions. I mean, the most common ones are usually, you know, your weight or your health and um, maybe finding love in a different way. So I know I talked to you guys about maybe focusing on that for this podcast, but I actually want to maybe take a few steps back because I realized that some of you are just now getting to know me and you you haven't really seen any of my YouTube content or videos. Um, you don't know who I am as far as uh, where I got my abilities, how I got my abilities, what happened with my... Um, indoctrination into the psychic medium world. So I'm going to kind of back it up a little bit because I, I think I want to properly introduce myself. And uh, so let's talk about my psychic abilities and my mediumship abilities and when I began to develop those. Um, because some of you are wondering, like, when did this happen? How did you get into this? How did you begin to realize that you could do this, um, that you could actually do this? So many, many years ago, I want to say probably in my um, early teens, I had some interesting experiences. And I, I actually want to say it's probably in my latter uh, 10, you know, nine, 10 years old, but then, you know, and then it started to kind of get even more um, obvious when I was in my early teens. But I had this experience where I basically heard a voice in my mind um, one day. And, and so the story goes, my mom, she used to work at a tortilla factory of all places, right? A Hispanic person working at a tortilla factory. But it wasn't a, a Hispanic tortilla factory. It was actually a flatbread factory. So my mother, who's Hispanic, used to work for uh, um, a group of Indians who owned a flatbread factory in the neighborhood. So she worked for them and uh, she used to go off to work every weekend. So one day, I was walking into the kitchen, and I think my mom was was gone that day. But I walked into our kitchen from my bedroom because I was hungry. I wanted a snack, um, and in you know in those days, kids they love to just walk back and forth to the fridge. It's almost as if every single time you go to the fridge, there's going to be something there that wasn't there before, looking for something to eat or looking for something to snack on. Um, and I was a little huskier as a kid. I was a little heavier. So I was always, you know, constantly eating and snacking, which, um, you know, could be bad if you're trying to stay fit. So I went into the kitchen and as I walked into the uh, open way or the, the doorway of the kitchen, I had this weird experience where I began to have a visual of something in the kitchen, like a fire in the kitchen, except it wasn't really like a flash or a, a visual. It was more like a memory. So when you think back to maybe like an old memory or you think back to some sort of 
past experience, it, you know, it's, it's kind of that visual phenomenon where you're thinking back and you're kind of visualizing and seeing some of those memories and experiencing that. So the, the visual I was having was basically a memory of the kitchen cabinets and stove on fire. There was a fire next to, to it and, uh, the entire kitchen was black in my visual, in my vision. And, uh, it was full of smoke and all I could see were the, were the flames. So as I, as I was sitting, standing there and I had this visual flashback of something that hadn't happened ever, I thought to myself, you know, I wonder, as a kid, I was very, um, very, uh, uh, what's it, what's the word? I was very inquisitive. I, I always pondered and wondered and questioned everything. And I thought to myself, what would I do if this ever happened? You know, if we ever had a fire in the kitchen, what would I do? And I thought back to, um, you know, a past uh, incident where, you know, in class, when we were, I think it was the second or the third grade, the firefighters brought over this, like, make believe it was like a it was like a a big old two-story truck that was designed to mimic the inside of a house and they basically would take us in there they would set it off as if it were on fire there was there was a like a smoke that would fill the cabin and you had to you know practice getting out of that that truck or out of that that room quote-unquote room so I remembered that and I said well yeah you know i as soon as I walk into the kitchen, if it's full of smoke, I, I won't be able to breathe. I won't be able to see anything. And I know that if I inhale enough smoke, I'll collapse. So I, I came up with a plan of action. And my plan of action was, well, I'm going to see, I'm going to walk to the kitchen. I'm going to see the fire. I'm going to hold my breath. I'm going to walk straight ahead to the counter because I know that that's where the sink is at. I'm going to pull out the hose that's connected to the sink. And then I'm going to use that to spray out the fire wherever it's at, assuming that it's on the cabinets or at the stove where I was uh, envisioning it, still holding my breath through this whole process. And then once it was out, then I would go out through that side door, which was also in the kitchen. Um, and that side door, well, it was our back door, but that door was the only way in and out of our house at the time because we lived in this house that was completely surrounded by burglar bars. So all the windows were covered. We lived in a bad neighborhood. So, you know, you, you had bars on your windows to protect yourself from theft or anything like that. So all our windows had burglar bars and our even our front door had burglar bars that had a lock on it that had been lost over the years and that was never replaced. So, you know, we always and we always entered through the back back door anyways, um, which, you know, it was just a door with um, like a screen door on it. That's it, which is funny. I mean, every single window and, and, and door in the house had burglar bars except for that one door, which makes no sense to me. But anyways, uh, going back to my story. So that was my plan. That That's how I was going to survive this fire in the kitchen if it ever happened. So for the next week, um, which was very odd. As now in retrospect, when you think back to it, I'm thinking, this is just weird. It's just weird that I was doing this. But um, every single day for the next week, I every time I went into the kitchen and went in for a snack or for whatever reason, I would... I would see this vision of this fire at the stove with the cabinets also caught and, and I would practice like 
actually go through the steps, practice walking, you know, holding my breath, walking up to the sink, pulling out the hose and spraying out the fire and then going out through the side so that I can catch my breath. And, um, so I practiced it for one week and then a week later, my mom was at work. It was a Saturday and I was making some breakfast and I always made myself breakfast. I mean, I was a good cook. I actually was a really great cook at the time. My mom taught me really well. And, uh, so our stove was kind of weird because it was a hand-me-down from our uncle and it was an electric stove. And it was one of those, you know, coil stoves where when you have it on hot, the coils turn red. And then, you know, when it's off, they, they cool off and they, they go back to being like a dark brown or black color. And I, um, whenever I, whenever we cooked anything in the kitchen, some, you know, someone had placed, a fire alarm a smoke detector above the stove right above that the ceiling area of the stove so it was kind of weird that someone would even think to put one there just because every single time we cooked and there was a little bit of smoke it would start blaring and it got to the point where we just kind of drowned it out or we got used to the sound of that smoke detector going off every time we cooked we just we got used to it and I know you're wondering how can you get used to it no trust me you know what I do enough readings with enough people that when I get on the call with them all you hear in the background is the um the smoke detector smoke detector beeping because it needs a new battery and you have no idea how many people will not change the battery of their smoke detector I mean they literally get used to that sound of the beep beep I mean, you hear it in the back room. And for me being on the call, it's like so annoying because I can hear it. Um, But then it takes me back to when I was a kid and we had gotten used to the smoke detector in our kitchen. So honestly, um, I get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, I'm like, people, come on, just get a ladder, get your butt up there, unscrew the damn detector, put in a new battery and you're good to go, right? Um, anyways, so back to what I was saying. So someone had thought it was a good idea to put a smoke detector there. And every time we cooked, it went off. And this one morning I made some pancakes and I went ahead and, uh, the, the knob on the, the stove, you kind of had to jiggle it a little and play with it and put your hand over the coils because if it wasn't, it wasn't like perfectly like aligned to the knob, it would still stay on even though it was set to off. Um, so you kind of had to put your hand over and play with it. So that way you could check to make sure, um, it would turn off. So I made sure it was off. I went to my, um, bedroom and I started to eat my breakfast and I sat on my bed just watching Saturday morning cartoons and, uh, you know, eating breakfast and, uh, the, the alarm was still going off. It never really went off. Um, and I just sat there eating no problem. Right. And so a few moments later, I hear this voice in my head and the voice sounded like my voice, except there was something different about it. It almost felt like as if someone were using the, the, the voice in my head of my own voice, um, my inner voice, but you know, started to use it. So the voice began speaking in my head and it said, Fernando, go to the kitchen. And as I, as I sat there and I kind of heard this in my mind, I thought to myself, no, I don't, I don't want to go to the kitchen. I want to sit here and eat my pancakes and watch TV. And as I, as soon as I reacted to that, a few moments later, again, it repeats itself. And it's like, Fernando, 
go to the kitchen. And I'm telling myself, no, I don't want to go. I'm, now I start talking back to this voice, right? I'm starting to tell it, no, I don't want to go to the kitchen. I want to eat my breakfast, you know, there, done. I'm not getting up. Third time, voice comes in my head and it's louder and more persistent and just more authoritative, almost as if someone is giving me an order. And so the, the, the voice comes back and says, Fernando, go to the kitchen. And uh, it, start, it started to become a persistent, obsessive thought. You know, whenever like you're leaving your place and you lock your door and you leave and then you're like, wait a minute, did I lock the door? I don't know if I locked the door. And then it's a thought that keeps bugging you and bugging you and bugging you. It started to take on that tone. And so I assumed, I was like, okay, fine. You know, I'll, I'll go to the kitchen. I'll get up. I'll go to the kitchen. And I, I gave in. I gave in to this voice um, and decided to get up and go to the kitchen. So I walked over went into my mom's bedroom because you have to kind of go through the through a bathroom that, that split my my mom's room and my room up and then walk over through my mom's room and then into the kitchen it's a weird layout for a house but um so i walked over to my mom's room and as i'm walking through her room and walking into the kitchen doorway i can see smoke billowing out of the doorway and it's black smoke and i'm seeing little like flickering of flames and i'm like oh my god and so in that moment i'm like holy shit and so i immediately start running towards the doorway i look into the doorway and there before me is the exact vision i had one one week prior when i was having those visuals when i was having that memory of something that never happened well here it is it was happening the stove was on fire the cabinets were on fire the entire kitchen was filled with smoke and the you know and and so immediately you know whenever you're faced with these kinds of situations even though you may have training even though you may be conditioned to like react in that moment i just freaked out a bit and I was like oh my god what what do I do what do I do what do I do and I'm trying to like gather my thoughts I'm trying to figure out what to do because I'm in, in a bit of a state of shock and in that moment like I, it, it, as, as soon as I realized I, I was you know very confused in a moment and I didn't know what to do and then it just hit me wait a minute wait a minute I know what to do I know to, I know what to do and so I immediately ran I, clo- I closed my eyes I held my breath I ran directly ahead of me I pulled out the hose I sprayed down the the cabinets and the sink uh, the, the stove I sprayed it down and then I ran out um, the back door and went outside and then I caught my breath and I was just coughing and coughing because, um, it was just a lot of smoke and I was, I was just, even though, you know, I was prepared for it, it was a lot of smoke, but I did manage to hold my breath for a majority of it. And so, uh, I could, you know, I left the door open and the smoke is just kind of vacating the house and kind of, you know, coming out of the house. And I was like in a state of shock and I, I stood there and I thought to myself, what the fuck? just happened like what was this what just occurred and so um for me it was just such an amazing but also just life shocking experience because i did not expect that to happen i was i was not prepared for what happened so um emotionally and mentally even though like action wise i was prepared but emotionally i just wasn't prepared for that so the adrenaline was still like pumping and i was just like oh my god oh my god like what just happened what just happened and it it just it, it slapped me across the face and that was my first ever 
psychic experience that I can remember. Now, as a kid, as a toddler, um, there are stories from you know, my mom, and my cousin who used to babysit me. They they have stories about me that I used to sit you know by myself in a corner and I used to just talk to the wall or talk to someone who was there. And I used to talk to this one guy who always came to see me and I would talk to him over and over again. This was when I was a toddler. I, I could barely speak, but I would talk and talk and talk. And so they had, they had stories of me doing that as a kid. I don't remember that. I don't remember any of that. Uh, but I do remember this experience with the fire. So that was my first real psychic experience. And, and after that, I was just, just blown away by the experience. It, it was life changing it was life altering and i wanted to know more like why did this happen what caused this like how how is this to be and and so i remember going and i think it was in middle school at the time i would i would go to <clears throat> i would go to um the library and i would check out all the books on like metaphysics and like the supernatural and psychability and i started to read a lot of that material and uh, of course, later on, um, I developed my abilities further when I was a teenager, later in my later teenage years. And it, I think it started with Sylvia Brown. And I think I was watching, I was at home one day, I think it was summertime. I was watching uh, Montel. For those of you who don't know who Sylvia Brown, Sylvia Brown is this well-known psychic from like the 80s and the 90s. And she spent a lot of time on TV and she had pay-per-views and she wrote like thousands of books i mean so many books and uh she used to she used to come on montel the show montel on a regular basis doing readings for people and i think i and i caught one of the shows and it was just so fascinating to me and i was so intrigued and so blown away by what seems to be you know just really crazy ability how could she know these things how could she you know later on Silver Brown herself she struggled with some things in her own life but um but back then that was my first real exposure to this so after that I began to I think my very first psychic book my very first book ever was a Silver Brown book it was a book it was called um The Other Side and Back A Psychic's Guide to Our World and Beyond um and it was a pretty interesting book because it it questioned everything that I had already been questioning since I began to question my own faith my own religion and trying to understand things from a spiritual perspective so it was my first real exposure to doing this work um, and, and, and I was just intrigued and I wanted to know more. I wanted to know more. So I began to read everything I could get my hands on and I began to meditate like a maniac. Um, I mean, I would spend hours and hours and hours meditating. And I remember like one day I had spent four hours meditating. Yes. And I mean it four hours meditating in complete and utter like mental silence and a friend of mine called me and he's like, hey, what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm just, I just, you know, I was just meditating. And he's like, well, haven't you been meditating for hours now? I'm like, yeah, I just, I like to meditate. I want to, I want to be a clear channel, a clear vessel for, you know, higher knowledge and spiritual awareness. And granted, I'm a teenager, right? So, so I'm like, I'm like, what, 15, 16 years old when this is happening. And, um, he says, well, you know, you meditated enough. You should be able to do a reading now. And I said, what? He says, yeah, I want you to, I want you to tell me something that I don't know. 
and I'm like, what do you mean? I don't, what do you mean? Tell me something I don't know. He's like, yeah, tell me, tell me something about like my work, or tell me something that you know that's happening in my life right now. I'm like, okay. Um, and granted, this is actually not the way that you should ever do readings. Um, there should be a proper structure and technique for doing a reading. But I didn't know any better, right? So I, I'm like, okay. I said, well, I keep thinking of the name Cassandra. So. Um, the name Cassandra, I just, I'm thinking of that name and he just was blown. He's just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. And, and I said, what? And he says, right before I got, right before I called you, my boss's daughter was here visiting and I got a chance to meet her and her name was Cassandra. And I was just talking to her right before I got on the call with you. And I said, oh, okay. And so he says, oh my gosh, I want you to read my coworker. I want you to read my coworker. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm not, no, I don't read people. Like I don't do this and there's no way, like I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. He's like, don't worry, you'll be fine. And he totally just dis- discounted my feelings and threw his coworker on the line and granted I'm like this like like I said I'm like a teenager and he throws this like 30 something year old woman on the line and she starts asking me questions about her life and I'm like oh my god I don't even know what to say or how to start so I just just gave my very best opinion right I gave my very best opinion on what I was feeling and what I was sensing um and so she apparently was blown away and so she went and told a couple of her friends and the next thing you know I have people just random people calling me for a free reading because back then I wasn't charging I didn't have I didn't have any confidence in what I was doing or saying so I started to do readings for people and this was when I was a teenager so um then I I I did that for a while I think I did it for a good um I want to say I did it for a good five or six months at that time and uh so I mean, you know, and then I had a part-time job, right? I got a part-time job um, because as soon as I turned 16, I was able to work. Um, and back then, I mean, you're Hispanic, you're in poor neighborhood. As soon as you can work, you get your butt up and you go work. And you, you go to school, but you got to go to work too because we need you to make money and bring money into the home. So I got a job at a um, as a telemarketer, believe it or not, um, in downtown Houston. And so I used to go to work and just, what is it, M- M- MBNA Bank, I think? Yeah, it was MBNA Bank where I got a job there. And so I remember I had a script that I had to read every single call, and I would have to read it because it helped me to establish a connection with the the, the, the client, the potential client, ask them if they needed the service, and then try to get them to buy a credit card or try to get them to reg- to sign up for a credit card. Um, and that's what I did for a while. I was, I was a telemarketer. And so I would go to work, do, you know, that, and then I would come home and, um, I would come home and I would get home and my mom would be like, uh, a lot of people called you today. And she, she had like a list of all these numbers of people who called me and I was like, okay. And she says, they said, they all said that they want readings. And so it turned into this big ordeal and I started to do like readings every single evening after I would get off of work. So I'd go, you know, go to, go to school, get off of school, go to work, work as a telemarketer for a few hours and then come home. And then I would take calls to do readings for people and I was reading like a good four or five people a day um, each evening and if you don't know reading is very it can be very energetically taxing um, especially if you're not really uh, experienced so it was quite a training uh, process for me I guess in those early years 
Um, and then I, one day, because I still didn't have a lot of confidence and on me, honestly, here I am giving, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 year olds life advice. And here I was a freaking teenager at 16 years old. You know, what experience did I have to offer people that I could give them advice at those ages? You know, they had way more life experience than I had. So I felt kind of like a little bit like a fraud because I felt like, here I am giving people advice that I don't have any business giving them because I don't have the experience to back up what I'm saying. I'm just giving them advice based off of what I understand and know spiritually, right? Because I still had been reading a lot of spiritual books, but I just didn't have enough life advice to back up what I was saying. So I went ahead and um, I started to feel a little weird about doing readings and giving advice and so forth. Um, but I still did them. And during one of those sessions, I think is when I had my very first mediumship um, experience. But I'll, I'll talk about I'll talk about that on a different time. Um, but nonetheless, I didn't even know I was a medium. I didn't even realize that I could do do uh, mediumship until that first experience, until that, that random reading that I and, and I never even was interested in being a medium. I just wanted to do a like I just wanted to be like Silver Brown, right? So. I, um, I had a couple of people call me that were not happy with my readings. And on one particular occasion, this, this young guy, he was like in his early twenties, he called me and he asked me to read him and all I could see was prison bars. So I told him, I said, I want you to be careful with the people you spend your time around because I keep seeing prison bars. Um, and I don't know why I'm seeing that. So just be careful, be cautious of anybody that you spend your time with, or just be careful with, you know, who you choose to be around. He, like, as soon as I was done, he blew up on me on the phone and he's like, you know, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you're, you know, you're stupid, you know, bitch. And, you know, I mean, just going off on me, cussing me out and telling me that I didn't know what I was talking about and to just shut up and whatever. So it, you know, it, at the time I didn't really think, I, I didn't think, you know, I thought I'm a horrible reader. Oh my God, I'm horrible at this. And I just, you know, I, I just felt horrible. I didn't have enough confidence to really stand up for myself. And I wasn't prepared to deal with someone who was that verbally abusive. And, uh, but he was just going off on me. And now in retrospect, I think back, I'm thinking to myself, you know, he probably reacted that way because I hit a nerve. I probably told him something he either did not want to hear or he was not prepared to hear and he refused to, 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 you know, to, to hear it. So I think that's what the problem was with him. Um, but, but back then I didn't have that kind of an analytical mind. So I didn't realize that that was what was the issue, but I got, I, I got off of that call and I felt absolutely horrible about myself. I thought I was a horrible reader and what the hell am I doing? Why am I even doing this? You know? So that was the first one that kind of threw me through a loop. And then I had another reading with another guy. He was a bit older. He was like a 50, 50 something year old gentleman. And, uh, he apparently was also a psychic or a quote unquote curandero, which in Spanish means basically someone who cures people of their, of their, of their issues and, and curses and et cetera. Um, and so he's kind of like a male witch, but in like Latin terms. So he called me and he says, you know, I've been, I've heard a lot about you and I just had to talk to you and see, you know, what, you know, how, how you, how you do what you do, et cetera. And so I began to, um, read him 
and I told him uh, a lot of things. Um, he didn't really acknowledge what I was saying to him. And he says, well, you know, you're not very good. And, you know, maybe if you keep trying, maybe you'll actually get good one day or maybe you'll be, you'll get better. But, you know, you're, you're not very good and you shouldn't be doing this anymore. You should stop doing it. And he, it's almost like he was trying to talk me out of doing this. Um, and again, in retrospect, I think to myself, I probably was taking some of his business since he worked in the same neighborhood in the same area. And so he's probably threatened by me and he thought to me and he probably thought this guy needs to stop doing what he's doing because he's taking my business. And uh, then when he, he realized I was just a kid, I mean, it was, I guess it was easy for him to talk me out of it. That's what I think. I mean, that's, that's what I choose to believe because, you know, I was like, why would someone want to talk somebody out of doing something they're passionate about? Does not make any sense to me? So after that, I just said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm done trying to read for people. I'm done reading for people who don't appreciate that I'm doing this for free and trying to help them. You know, I'm not here to get bitched out or to be made to, to be, to feel like an idiot. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not doing this anymore. So that's it. I'm done. Well, I should have never, ever set that or, or, or even put that energy out there because the moment that I put that energy out there, the moment that I stated that, the moment that I, I came to that decision myself, my psychic ability, my intuitive ability, my empathy just shut down. I mean, it shut down. And all my life, I've been a sensitive kid. All my life, I've been an emotionally sensitive kid. And so I've always been able to sense and feel people's emotions. And that was my natural talent. Um, and then, of course, my psychic abilities came into power when I began to develop them and put energy into that. So for me to lose everything, not just my psychic sensing, my visual, you know, my, my clairvoyance, clairaudience, all of it, but then also my clairsentience, which is which is my ability to sense emotion and, 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 and empathy, that was a blow for me and I almost felt like empty and I felt almost like not all, not even alive to some extent. It just was a really, really weird period for me. And I learned to live that way and I went on with my life and it, it, it really affected me for years to come. And, and after a while I realized my mistake and what I should have, that I should have never done that, that I should have never turned away from this because this is what I was called to do. Um, but you know, maybe it wasn't the time for me. Maybe I didn't have the experience necessary. I mean, now I have a shit ton of experience. <laughs> I have too much experience now. So now when I give people advice, I mean, I pretty much know what the fuck I'm talking about. If I give you advice, listen to me because I'm probably aware of what I'm telling you. Either I've personally experienced it or I've seen it through others and what they've gone through. And I've learned through that, but I know what I'm talking about. So I'm not just giving people crazy advice that I don't follow myself or that I don't, um, that I don't, uh, haven't experienced myself. Now I know what I'm talking about, but back then I didn't. So I went on with my life and, um, I just regretted not growing and developing through my abilities. And I regretted turning away from that ability because it, 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 it stopped. And I spent years and years and years trying to redevelop my psychic abilities, trying to redevelop my ability to sense things and feel things. And it nothing would work. I would read book after book after book, watch, you know, other psychics, other mediums, other people. I used to just, you know, try to, to learn as much as I could so that I could reinitiate what I had lost when I turned away from it. But nothing was working. And I had some success, some, some moments of clarity, but a majority of the time 
it just wasn't flowing. So I had a friend who, um, at the time she was a Reiki master and she was high. She kept trying to get me to take her Reiki class and become a Reiki healer. And to me, Reiki was like, what, you know, it's stupid. You know, if you don't know what Reiki is, Reiki is a form of hands-on healing. You put your hands over someone's body or you put some, put your hands up, you know, above someone's, above someone's body or on someone's body in particular hand positions across the body throughout an entire like period of time. And you channel energy, higher energy into that person's being and you help to heal them. And it's actually a a healing art that's based out of Japan. So she was a Reiki master and she had wanted to teach me and I just refused to, t- to take it because I thought to myself, this is stupid. What, I'm going to wave my hands around some over someone's body and say, you know, magic, magic, heal this person and they're going to suddenly be healed. I just thought it was absolute bullshit. I didn't think there was anything to it and I just thought it was a bunch of hocus pocus. So for, ye- for, for years, actually, I just refused to take it because it's not what I wanted to do. I was a psychic. I was meant to be a psychic. So I, that's what I wanted. I didn't want to be a Reiki healer. I didn't want to do anything else. Um, well, it just, it got to the point where what I was trying to do and initiate with my psychic abilities wasn't working. It wasn't kicking into gear. It wasn't turning on. And so I had to acknowledge that maybe this wasn't going to be for me. Maybe this is, this wasn't something I was going to be able to do in my lifetime. So I gave up, I gave up on trying to be a psychic and trying to be a medium and, and all. And like I said, back then I really hadn't spent as much time being a medium, but you know, more of a psychic than anything else. But I just, I gave up on trying to do those things. And I said, well, if I can't be a psychic, if I can't be a medium, then there's something that maybe I can be that will still be in the realm of this, you know, type of work, right? So of course, coming back, that's when I thought about Reiki. And I said, well, you know, Reiki's something maybe I can do and I can earn a living and maybe, you know, start to do that full time and leave my job um, at Starbucks. Because back then I was, you know, working at Starbucks and I had been ready to leave for years. So I took the Reiki class. I actually, I decided to first get a Reiki session because I wanted to know what it felt like. And during that first session, I had experiences and felt things that were just crazy weird. And I just could not explain what happened during the Reiki session. I mean, at one point, my friend's hands were above my body. A good, like, three or four, um, a, a good... Um, no, not three and four. I'll get like foot or foot and a half away from my body. Um, and at one point she brought it up higher than that, almost two feet away from my body and uh, making these hand gestures. And I didn't know what she was doing, but hand gestures. And uh, I felt like as if someone had opened up an oven door and blasted me with heat. It was just this crazy, intense feeling. Um, and there was nothing above her. There was nothing there. There was not like she had a freaking like heater above me trying to make me feel heat. So um, I thought to myself, this is crazy weird. I want to learn how to do this. Um, and I remember just feeling super charged up and feeling pretty good after a Reiki session. So I took the class, I learned how to do Reiki and I began practicing Reiki and I became an apprentice to her business, to, to her Reiki, um, business. So I was taking on clients, um, and practicing on people. And in the process of, of doing Reiki for people, I ran into a little bit of a hiccup. I was trying really hard to heal people. I wanted to be Jesus. I wanted to like heal people and say, you know, be gone, evil spirits and be gone, you know, evil and, 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 and ailments and disease be gone. I heal you in the name of Jesus. So I wanted to be Jesus. I wanted to heal people. Right. 
And most people, I mean, whenever you, you know, you can do something or you have an ability, you want to, it kind of goes to your head sometimes. So I think at that point, it had gone a little to my head. So I was trying really hard to prove myself as like a, a new healer in that way. And, um, it wasn't flowing. I was, I was running into, into the same issue where with my psychic ability, it just wasn't flowing. I would have moments where it would, it would come through, but for, for the most part, it wasn't consistent. It wasn't flowing the way that it should, the energy and uh, working with my, my friend and, and getting feedback from her. And she says, you know, you're trying really hard to control how this comes through you. You cannot tell the energy what to do. You can, you know, intend for it to heal, but honestly, you cannot control this. You have to allow yourself to be used, allow yourself to be used because you're not doing this. It is, it, you know, you're not using the energy. The energy is using you. And just that, that shift in perspective, that simple awareness of I'm not here to control this and manipulate this. I'm here to be used by this and to allow myself to, to, to work on its behalf is a shift that I had to make energetically, mentally, emotionally, etc. So I made the shift. I went ahead and shifted over to just allowing myself to be used and it began to flow and it began to flow and it began to flow more consistently and on a regular basis. Well, within a few weeks, not only was I really, really good at doing Reiki on people, but I also began to have weird and random psychic experiences. And I began to sense things and feel things about people when I would touch them. And, um, you know, and then, and then as that began to happen, I also started to have spirits coming in and, and wanting to communicate and say hello to the person I was work, working on. And, and so it started up again and I was like, oh my gosh, like I got it back. I got it back. And so I, I realized that I'm not here to manipulate it, to control the ability or to tell it what to do. I'm here to be used by a higher calling, a higher purpose, a higher energy. I'm here to just share what I'm getting in my way and in my form. That's it. And I think in the, in the simple shift in energy there, because so many people I know who are very talented psychics and who are sensitives, they want to, they don't, they're afraid or they're, they're trying to control how they're going to be perceived or how this is going to happen for them. You can't control it. You have to let, let it be how it's going to be and just go with it even if it's just a little at first just go with it because the more you practice it the more it starts to come through and that's what happened with me so after that i began to spend more and more time doing psychic readings and mediumship sessions than reiki and then i ended up kind of converting everything over so now i i only do psychic readings and mediumship and, and spiritual coaching and I don't really do Reiki anymore, but it, this is, this is how it happened for me. And it was through that simple shift that I realized. And I think when I made that decision back then that I didn't want to do this anymore and I was done trying to help others and I didn't want people to hurt me or anything, you know, I think I made a conscious choice that I was either going to, I would only do this if I could control it. If I couldn't control it, I didn't want to do it. So in all these years that I'd been trying to reinitiate and get it to flow again, my problem was I was trying to control it. I was afraid of being wrong. I was afraid of being made fun of, of being teased or being ridiculed, of being taken being taken as a joke in that way. And and so that's what was my block. I couldn't, you know, see or do anything because I was trying too hard to control it. 
So that's basically my story in a nutshell, the first part of my story there, because I mean, there's a lot to talk about since then. But um, that's how I got into doing this full time. And it is it is my passion. It is something I'm very passionate about helping people, talking to people, helping them to understand and to have clarity, to to move past their own blocks and also just to give them insight into what may be coming up ahead so they can prep for that. Um, but I love what I do and I really enjoy it and I've worked really hard to get to this point. So thank you all so much for like listening to my story. I hope that you maybe have learned some things about your own abilities of your own, if you're interested in developing psychically. Um, and if you are interested in developing psychically, I would highly suggest you go to my YouTube channel and you can get there from my website. All you have to do is go to my website, www.fernandobarone.com and click the YouTube icon on the top or the bottom of the page. And there's, and also in my bio, I have a link to my YouTube channel as well. If you go to my YouTube channel, there's a host section that's de- devoted and dedicated to psychic development 101. So, I mean, it's really just how to develop yourself psychically and it's from beginning to end. It's a two and a half hour course. It's free guys. I mean, it's absolutely free. I'm not charging for it because I, I designed the course for myself because I didn't have help. I didn't have anyone showing me how to do this. And so I don't want people who are really interested in doing this themselves. I don't want them to run into the same problems and I don't want them to think that they have to pay you know, like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to go to special schools when they can just, you know, understand the basics of this and then, you know, and so be it. So, um, if you guys want to learn how to develop your psychic abilities, go to my YouTube channel. It's right there. It's free. It's a two and a half hour course, video courses, watch it at your leisure. You will learn everything you need to learn about psychic ability, spiritual and psychic phenomena and how how to understand it and then how to use your own abilities as well. So that's one way of doing it. If you want to know more about me, um, gosh, you can follow me. You can follow me on Facebook. I have a Facebook, um, professional page. You can just go on Facebook and I'm there and I'm always doing a Facebook live. Um, once I try to do it once a week at least where I can reach out to you guys and give you guys free readings, but, um, I'm on there. So go to Facebook, my Facebook, um, Facebook professional page and like and follow me and that way you can hopefully get a chance to get a free session with me on there. Um, if you please like this um, this podcast and share it um, because you know I want to get the word out and also help others understand their, their abilities as well. Follow me on Instagram at Fernie ESP um, and I use Fernie ESP for almost everything. So I'm on Instagram Fernie ESP. I'm on um, uh Twitter, Fernie ESP. I'm on now. I'm on Snapchat, so you can find me on Snapchat where I'm just being silly and allowing you guys to see my personality throughout the day. Um, and that's Fernie ESP two two two, Fernie ESP two 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 on Snapchat. And also, you know, just go to my go to my um, website, and if you're interested in having a session with me, you can book a session there. I offer like different options for different um, types of sessions at different price points. So for those who only have a few bucks, you can you can afford a session with me. For those of you who want something more substantial, there's something there for you as well. So um, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and I'm looking forward to our next one. Maybe then we'll get into our, you know, trying to make, um, trying to make our um, New Year's resolutions work out for us. So until then, thank you so much. I'm sending you all lots of love. And I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye.